All right, intertwined part eight, and we are continuing to work our way through the book of First Timothy here. And what we've been saying all along is that our belief and our life have to intertwine, that we have to allow our belief in Jesus to actually affect the way that we live. And we don't want to separate those two. We don't want those to be two different worlds. And I was thinking about that this week. My daughter, Brynn, and my son, Cade, they just kind of go at it. Uh, my daughter's almost five, my son's seven. And, uh, you know, I mean, they'll have their moments where they're just great, but then they'll just have their moments where they're going at it. And so this past week, they were just kind of fighting, and, and something happened. And Cade, who's seven, uh, he's a really tough kid. I mean, we're outside playing all kinds of sports. He's falling, he's diving, he's, I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff. But when Bryn hits him, he acts like it's the end of the world. He just overreacts, and it's just pathetic. It's just so over the top. And so that happened this past week, and then I just said, buddy. I just looked at it, dude, I mean, you fall down all the time outside. I mean, you wipe out on your bike, you know. I mean, you're cutting, you're bleeding. You're like, let me get back on, you know. And I mean, she just kind of like whatever, you know, kicked him or punched him or something, and he's acting like it was this horrible thing. And so I kind of have my little speech, and I kind of go for it. And then my four-year-old, Bryn, she's going to be five soon, she just looks at him, she goes, yeah, Cade, man up. Right? Now, those are tough words, tough words. But the funny thing is that yesterday, I said, all right, hon, we got to get to, to Bryn. I said, all right, it's, it's time to take a, a shower. You got to jump in the shower real quick. We got to go out. And we're going to be ready for Father's Day tomorrow. So let's do this today. And she's watching iCarly, okay? And so she goes, I don't want to take a shower. And I said, honey, I'm sorry, you got to take a shower. So she starts crying. Right? And I just looked right back at her. I said, Brinny, man up. Right? And she kind of like laughed for a second. And then I carried her upside down screaming the rest of the way to the shower. Right? Okay. So what she did on a small level, we don't want to do on a large level. She, she, she talked real big. You know, she, she made it real loud and real known that, hey, this is what I believe. This is how you should act. And then the way she acted was completely contrary to what she said. And that's what we've been talking about for these past uh, eight weeks is we want to be able to say, here's what we believe about Jesus and not just say it, but then live lives that back it up, that actually show that we've been impacted by this. So tonight we're going to talk about how our belief in Jesus should impact how we interact here within this church, with inside these walls. And if you have a pulse, then you should care about tonight, tonight's message. You see, I love you guys. I loved uh, sitting here tonight, standing here tonight with you guys and worshiping. It was so awesome. It was so powerful. And I, I just love being with you guys. You, I just, I'm crazy for all you guys. And I dream big dreams. I think God dreams big dreams for you, for this church, for what can happen on Long Island and beyond this church, to many churches and, and awesome things that are going on here. But what I want to talk to you about tonight is so important. And, and here's what I know that God's doing in us. I know, and he's even doing it in me. He, he's, he's really, I think, taking us from like little kid church. Do you know what I mean? To, to, to real church almost. Do you know what I mean? I think he's taking us from kind of like, okay, you know, you have your loud music and your lights. And we're going to keep on having all that just because it's fun. All right. But you know what? I think that he's really trying to mature us as a church and as people here that come to collision. And I'm excited about that. And what we have to talk about tonight is a huge part of that. It's a huge ingredient to hanging in there together. Because here, here's my heart. Now, I know God's going to do all kinds of stuff with everybody in this room. And you know what? Some of you guys are going to be off in different parts of the country, different parts of the world. And that's awesome. And we're all about that. We want to help send you there. We want to help, you know, just root you on, pray for you, send you money, whatever you need to go and tell people about Jesus. We're, we're all about it, okay? But I also know that many of us are, are Long Islanders, man, and that's what we're going to be. And you know what? 
one of the things that God dreams for us is that we be in this in the long haul together. You know, um, I've been at this church for 11 years now. The, the average, I'm not a youth pastor because this isn't a, a youth group, but I was a youth pastor for many years. And the average youth pastor stays at a church for about a year and a half. That's, that's the, the average run of a youth pastor, okay? And, and early on, somebody said to me, you know what, Doug? If you want to really make an impact, you got to stay somewhere. You know, you got to stay somewhere. You got to plant yourself somewhere. And you got to go ahead and just give your heart. See, my, it's my dream to kind of be in a rock band, you know, and go around. I, for a little while, I played in this thing called uh, Pulse, and we were kind of like a Christian version of Stomp, just not nearly as good. And we'd beat everything we could find, and we would tour around and go to all different places. And I was like, oh, man, this is great telling people about Jesus all around. And, and somebody just said to me, you know what, Doug? I mean, that's cool. Yeah, not that God can't use that. But if you really want to impact people, then you got to stay somewhere. And you know what? That's not just true for me. It's true for you too. If you really want to be impactful, and if you want to be impacted to the full potential, you got to stay somewhere. you got to plant yourself somewhere. you got to say, all right, this is where I belong, and this is where God's using me, and this is what I know God dreams for Long Island. So tonight, I got to talk a little bit about last week, the, 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 the things that God wants to do in our lives, the lives we're going to live to be used by Him on Long Island and around the world. But, but one of the things, and this is not going to seem like, oh, wow, I'm so captivated immediately when you say this word, Doug. This is not going to seem like something that is just going to rivet you for the next you know, 25 minutes. But the reality is, is that what we're talking about tonight, if it's absent, if it's missing, will pretty much implode all this cool stuff that God's doing. Okay, If this very simple thing is just kind of done away with or abused or ignored then we will just kind of all fall apart. And, and the reason I know that's true, and I'll explain more in a minute, is that all of us have seen this happen in churches before. Okay, And so what I want to talk with you about tonight, and don't fall asleep on me, is the order that God wants this place to have. The, the way that we do things. You see, we do things on purpose, usually here, all right? Usually there's thought, there's prayer, there's study of God's word. There's, all right, we're going to do this and not this. Okay, we're going to have this style of worship and not that style of worship. Okay, we're going to have this ministry program and not that one. We're going to act in this way and not it that way. And, and there's different expectations. There's different understandings. There's different, different systems in place. There's all this kind of behind-the-scenes stuff that makes happen here what happens. And what I've seen happen so often in churches is if that order is either ignored or if it's manipulated and abused or if the people in the church look at it and go, I don't really care about that. I'm going to do what I want or I'm going to leave. Then everything falls apart. And so here's what I think. I think that God has huge dreams for you. And I think that for many of you, not all of you, but for many of you, his dream is to be lived out here, bringing, like I talked about last week, your gifts and your talents to the table to be able to reach Long Island for Christ. And so here's what I think you've seen, because I've seen it, okay? Here's why we need God's order here in this place. Here's why we need uh, to do things a certain way and not just kind of say, ah, forget that, everybody can just do whatever they want or just kind of go over the top and try to control things from the top down. Here's why we need that, because we've all seen kind of three scenarios, I would bet, okay? Number one scenario that many of us have seen is the church that has absolutely no order, right? We've seen this, haven't we? It's just chaos, right? And they kind of use this tagline, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, right? 
Well, the funny thing is, because it looks more like where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's chaos, right? I mean, isn't that true, right? So often, um, we get into these settings. Maybe you've been to church. Maybe if you're not a Christian, the reason you don't want to be a Christian is because you walked into one of these churches one day, and you were so turned off by what you saw because it just seemed like insanity, right? Everybody could do whatever they wanted to in in the service. They could yell out. They could scream out. They could roll around. They could whatever, right? Or maybe even they could, you know, say one thing in here about their love for God and then go outside and live a life that looked nothing like it. Nobody cared or said anything about it, right? So there's the no-order churches, right? Then there's a second one, which I guess most of us in the room have seen too. And that's where the order is taken to like a control level, a manipulation level. You see, I would guess that probably most of you here in the room tonight, this would be your issue. You would say, man, I feel like when I go to church, people are just telling me what to do. You know, I feel like, uh, you know, they, they do things a certain way. I don't really like that way. And I would rather them do it my way. And so I, 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 it feels to me like it's this control thing, you know, like, like if I don't do exactly what they want or how they want, then man, they're going to boot me out or they're going to, right. And, and I don't quite get that. I don't quite like that. All right. And, and I think many of us have seen that in church settings where unfortunately it's true that the leadership, man, the leadership power went to their head. They got big egos in the way. And so now it's like they're at this manipulation place. And, and we've seen that, too, haven't we? Haven't we seen that destroy churches where they take order and they just turn it into basically like a, a, a collar that they put around some, somebody's neck and says that far, no farther. And, and every little thing is micromanaged. Um, I, when I was first working in youth ministry, I was like 22 years old. I was working with this one volunteer guy and uh, we had told the, the leaders like, you know, unless the kid like really has to go to the bathroom, like don't let him out there in the message because it's just really distracting. I mean, I'm working with middle school kids. So you got like, you know, like a whole horde of them gets up and goes out and they're just going out there to make fun of me while I'm speaking anyway, you know? And so, you know, like we're kind of inside these kids heads. So like, all right, you know, unless they really, really have to go, like don't let a whole group of them out or just, so this poor girl, um, during the middle of the, the message one night, she sneezed, right? It's kind of gross, I'm sorry. But she sneezed, right? And she was embarrassed and she, she needed a tissue. And so she's walking out to the back and, she's, and, and here's this guy standing like this. He was a big dude too, standing like this in front of the door. And she goes, I really have to go to the bathroom. And he goes, go back to your seat, right? Like, like yo, that's so wrong, okay? So, so sometimes, right? And we've all seen this. Now that's just a silly example, but, but man, we've seen how ugly it can get, right? when those on top start to take the control and start to manipulate. And we never want to be that, okay? So some of you guys are coming here tonight with hurts from that, either the no-order church or the over-controlled church. And then there's a third option. And maybe some of you guys will find this. The first two things I've talked about really are an issue with the leadership of the church because either they haven't made any order in the church or they've made too much order in the church. Now, this third kind of scenario really has to do with your heart and where you're at, okay? This is where you really, really enter the conversation because I think the third scenario that many times we see is a church that is to neither extreme. They're not without order and they're not, you know, manipulating. Yet they're, they're just trying to simply create a place where there is some godly order so that things can grow and things can thrive and we can reach out. And, and yet here's what we see so often, right? Our people who within that decide, I don't like this order. I, I don't like because they come up with a ministry idea and it gets shot down. Or they don't like, you know, that the music's too loud or the music's too soft or the preacher's not deep enough or he's too deep or he's all these different things, right? And the people take off. 
They, they just, they bounce, right? Uh, the pastor I first worked with said that preaching on Long Island is like preaching to a parade because people just keep going by. They come to your church and they go to the next church. They come to your, then they leave that church, they go to the next one, they go to that. And, and why is that? Because, man, we so often have an issue with this idea of order. With that, and some of it goes back to what we talked about in the authority message a few weeks back. But we have such issue with, man, I don't understand why they're doing it that way. And I said they should not do it that way. And I gave my idea and I talked about it and I showed my heart. And, and what happens so often is, and this is really, I think, the heart of the issue is, is suddenly there's an offense, right? Suddenly there's a burden. Suddenly there's a hurt in a heart. And I think when this happens, we get to such a dangerous, dangerous place. And so I think sometimes as leadership, it's like, okay, we want to have this godly order. But if we're honest, there's a part of us that's going, well, who does that mean we're going to lose then? Because this is Long Island. And it's like preaching to a parade. And man, I really believe it's God's heart that the parade stop. And that people go, okay, if I'm going to affect anybody, if I'm going to connect like I could connect, I'm going to stop walking and going from place to place to place. And I'm going to plant myself somewhere. And I'm going to belong. This is so important for us to hear, guys. I'm not saying you, you, you keep looking until you find the perfect church because there is no perfect church. In fact, somebody went into Charles Spurgeon's church one day and, and he said, he literally said, I'm looking for the perfect church. And listen to what Charles Spurgeon said. This is what he had to say. He said, my church is not the one you're looking for, but if you should happen to find such a church, I beg you not to join it for you would spoil the whole thing. All right? So please don't, right? So I'm not saying there's a perfect church. Every church is flawed. Every leader is flawed, starting with this one right here. No perfect churches. But my fear is, is that so often we, when trying to say, all right, we're going to have or this is the way we're going to do things. We're not going to do things that way. Instead of just kind of bearing with each other and hanging in there, we just kind of bounce. And this, I know it's kind of a weird take on things, but this is one of the bad things about having so many churches in our day and age. You know, when Paul was writing letters to different churches, like he wrote to the church in Rome, in Corinth, right, in Ephesus, all these different places. And you know what? If you had beef with somebody in the church in Ephesus, you were not going to hike like a 10-day journey to Rome to go to church. You know what I mean? You had to work it out. We're missing this on Long Island right now, right? And I'm with you guys. I get hurt and offended too. And you know what? I have to choose over and over again to say, all right, there's still got to be order. There's a way of doing things here. We still have to hang in there together. And so I know that God's doing this maturing work in us. And so the reason that this is so important is because we don't want to be the church without order. We don't want to be the church that's over-controlling. And we don't want to be the church that has order, and yet people are just taken off every single time they disagree with something. So what do we do with all this, right? There's a lot of tension here tonight because some of you guys are sitting there going, well, that's funny, Doug, because there's about five things I disagree with right now, you know? So what do we do with all this? Well, here's what I want to do. As we're going through the message tonight, I want you to be asking a question because here's my theory. I think deep down, if you were honest with yourself, you actually like order. I'm not going to tell you why yet. I want you to try to figure it out as we're going through this message. And I want you to ask the question, why do I like order? What is it about order? What does order produce? What is the result 
of order that I actually want. Because I would say that every single one of us, though we might, you know, we don't, we don't like it when we don't kind of get our way and we can't do what we kind of dreamt up and thought and wanted to do. But we overall, we like order and we like the fact that there is order. And so that's the question I want you to be thinking about tonight. And if you're not a Christian, like I said before, maybe the, one of the reasons that you don't want to be in church or somebody dragged you here tonight is because you've seen all this misuse of authority or all this lack of order. Maybe it's just felt like control to you. Maybe tonight, I just want to say maybe it's really something else. And God never wanted it to be misused and abused, but he also didn't want it to be ignored. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight as we look through first Timothy chapter three, verse 14. And again, I don't want you to think, oh, we're talking about order. Okay. 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 I want you to think long term, staying connected, being planted in this place, or if it's not this place, if you're here tonight, catch this. If you're here tonight because you're running from a hurt in another church, maybe the best thing for you to do is to go back there and work things out. Maybe. So I'm not just about this church and what's going on here tonight. Maybe you shouldn't be here. Maybe God has you somewhere totally different. As much as I'd love for you to be around, maybe you're supposed to go back and as a result of tonight, Say, all right, I disagree with this, and I can recognize in myself that I left out of anger. I left because I was hurt or offended. I left because I just simply didn't want to be told that that's the way things were to be done. And so let's look at 1 Timothy 3, verse 14. Although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you these instructions so that, Paul's saying, Timothy, here's why I'm writing this. Listen to why he's writing it. Verse 15. If I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. So Paul's saying here, I would love to come to Ephesus and be with you guys, but if I can't make it, here's why I'm writing this, because I want people to know that order is important. I want people to know that there's a certain way we ought to be conducting ourselves in church. And I want to just say this, I would never be sitting on my couch, sitting in my office, writing a message, go, I think I'll talk about order this week, right? What an inspiring topic, okay? That's one of the good things about going through a book of the Bible, and we're just going through 1 Timothy 4. And guys, I just got to tell you, if you're like, oh, what does this have to do with my life? There's a reason it's in that book. It made the cut. God wants you to hear about it tonight, okay? And so let's talk about what's going on here. I love how he says, Okay, there's this order in, in God's what? He used this word, household. Okay, so this here, this is like God's house, okay? And I don't know about your house, but in my house, I like order, okay? I think about the different things that go on in my house. I think of Landon coming to me this week and saying, uh, somebody wrote on the wall. And me going, okay. And going upstairs and looking on the wall. And of course, there it is. There's drawing on the wall. And, and I said, Landon, who wrote on the wall? He goes, Winnie. <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm sure you had nothing to do with it, right? And so I can look at that and go, oh, well, <laughs> Kelly, wish we had better kids, right? I mean, right? You know what I mean? It's Father's Day. Deal with it, right? I mean, you know, okay. But instead I go, all right, we got to have some order here. So there's going to be some consequences. There's going to be some things that we've got to talk through and work through here, right? Um, I think of Bryn when she was just 
real young little girl and she got herself in the bathroom downstairs and she took out everything underneath the cabinet. I think we have a picture of that up here. And if you can see her here, there she is. And I don't know if you can see, she knew she was busted. That's why she looks like that. There's toilet paper behind her. She's, I don't know if you can see her hands and her arms and her legs. They have cream all over them. I mean, she was just covered in cream, okay? Now, I can't just go in there as cute as that little face is, right? And you're like, you're a monster to punish that child, right? But as cute as that face is, I've got to go, okay, there needs to be some order. There's a way of doing this. There's a way we conduct ourselves in our house. And we want our house to be fun. We want it to be uh, a place that's welcoming. We want it to be God-centered. And that all takes order. All of it. There have to be rules. Rules lead to the freedom that we can have. It leads to the fun that we can have. It leads to the relationship that we can have. And the same is true of God's house. There's got to be order. There's got to be a way of doing things. We want this to be a mature place, a grounded place. And it takes order. Verse 16. And this kind of reminds us why this is important. Because belief and life are intertwined. Verse 16. Beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great. He appeared in a body, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. So Paul's like, okay, we've got to have all this order. But just don't forget, don't forget that this is all because Jesus died and rose again. Okay, so belief and life, again, we see, are intertwined here. Okay, so Paul's going, all right, this is so important because it's true. And if you're not a Christian, let me just say real quick. I mean, he just rattled off a bunch of cool stuff. But one of the things he said was that this resurrected Jesus was seen. Okay, so maybe for you, that's just something you need to know, that historically this resurrected Jesus was seen by guys who would later give their lives in horrific ways saying they had seen him. Okay, so just a little bit in there for you tonight. But let's not forget, the reason that all this matters, the reason there's a way to conduct ourselves inside these walls is because Jesus is really alive. The reason that you and I need to hang in there together is because Jesus is really alive. The reason we need to forgive each other when we offend each other is because Jesus is really alive. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're trying to cover all of 1 Timothy throughout this, and sometimes we'll be in like chapter 3 like we are tonight, and we'll jump ahead, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to just jump ahead to chapter 5 for just a few verses, because I want you to see some of this order that Paul is talking about, okay? And here's what I want you to do. Don't sit and try to memorize all the things that he tells Timothy, okay? I want you to keep asking the question I asked you to ask in the beginning. What does order lead to? Why do I like order? Because maybe many of us are here tonight going, oh, man, if you asked me earlier, I don't think I would have said I liked order. But, but what is the result of order? Okay, 1 Timothy 5, verse 19 says this. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it's brought by two or three witnesses. Okay, what is he doing here? He's just, he's just trying again say, okay, this is something that matters. This is the way that we should conduct ourselves. And what he's saying here is he's trying to protect the elders here. He's trying to say, all right, we got to make sure that if somebody, because everybody has something bad to say about leadership, right? I mean, I think C.S. Lewis said it's one of people's favorite, you know, uh, sideline sports is to criticize leaders, okay? I'm not crying, and that's okay, all right? Um, and so he's saying here, all right, you know, we got to take these criticisms and, and, and accusations seriously, but we want to make sure that it's not just any old person get up and say, oh, that guy did this or said this, okay? So that's one of the things he says, all right? Verse 20, it says, those who sin, and this is going to be an interesting one to explain, those who sin are to be rebuked publicly so that the others may take warning, okay? 
Now, we see scripturally that it takes some steps to get to this point. Okay, it's not like Ryan's going to close tonight. You know, thank you guys for coming. We're going to have our prayer time in a few minutes. But before we start, we're going to ask each of you to come up here one by one and rebuke you publicly for your sin this week. So, Andrew, start with you. You gossip you. You know what I mean? All right. Andrew's not a gossip. He's quite Christ-like, actually. And so, um, that wasn't a joke. What the heck? Um, What's the deal, bro? Something I don't know? All right, anyway. Um, but what's going on here is, is Paul's telling Timothy, all right, I want you to, to do this. And there, there was a reason why, not to humiliate people, but so that the other people, right, could go, oh, okay, well, I just learned from that, right? I, I just learned from somebody else's mistake and what he went through. And, and I'll tell you this, in over 11 years of being here, um, there's only one time we've ever had to talk about it. and it's not like we brought someone up on the stage and said you bad person you um there was somebody that had done something so public and so hurtful that we had to talk about it from the stage in 11 years so there are other steps before that and those steps work and they're there for a reason thank god right verse 21 i charge you in the sight of god and christ jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism okay so he's saying all right don't show favoritism okay again don't try to memorize these verses and what he's saying here. Keep asking that question. Why? 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 Why does he want? What, what does order lead to? What, what's the point of it all? Okay. And so what he's saying here, I think one of the big things is he's saying, all right, don't show favoritism to those who I would guess, and we've all seen this in church world, those who have money, right? Those who pay the bills, right? In so many churches, well, we got to do what they want because if they leave, then, right, we're in trouble. And so that would be my guess, one of the things he's talking about there, okay? Next, he says, I charge you, oh, that's the one I just read, 22, do not be hasty in the laying on of hands. Now, this is not talking about um, dealing with someone that you're angry with, you know, <laughs> get my hands on him, right? Okay, this is talking about actually what they would do, and we still do this today, is if we're praying for somebody, sometimes we'll just kind of put a hand on a shoulder, or, and this is how they would release leadership. Okay, so what he's saying is, don't be too quick to, to look at somebody who just became a Christian and say, oh, okay, uh, we're going to pray for you and, and go, out, go get them, Tiger, you know? And like we talked about last week, it's because there needs to be some time where we can mature enough to know we're not a big deal, right? Like we kind of talked about last week, okay? And again, keep asking that question, why, Paul? Why? Why should we do all these things? What's the point? Last part here. Do not share in the sins of others, but keep yourself pure. Keep yourself pure. So this is his advice. He says, all right, there's a way to act, and in, and in chapter 5 here, we see a bunch of the ways he tells Timothy to tell the people, this is how you should act. The question is, why? Why? Do you know why, guys? Do you know why you like order? Do you know why order is so important for us? Do you know why we have to have order or our church is never going to reach Long Island the way that we dream and that God dreams? Because order leads to protection. That's why you like order. That's why I like order, because ultimately, Order protects us. Let's look at these verses one more time, real quick. Verse 19. Don't entertain an accusation against an elder unless it's brought by two or three witnesses. That's protecting the elders. Verse 20. Those who sin are to be rebuked publicly so that others may take warning. That's protecting the others so that they won't fall into the same sin those people did. Verse 21. I'll just jump to the end. Do nothing out of favoritism. That's protecting the people who don't have all the money to try to be the influencers, right? Verse 22, don't be hasty on the laying on of hands. That's protecting these new Christians, and it's protecting people from these new Christians, okay? Verse, uh, second half, verse 22, do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. That's protecting every single one of those people who's hearing that command. Don't end up in sin. You're just going to regret it. You're going you're to 
fall into stuff you wish you never had, right? So order leads to protection. I would argue that's why we like it. Because it protects us. Because ultimately, it keeps us from going off. And, and I would argue my kids like protection as much as they don't like when I carry them upside down to the shower, right? But, they, but they, it makes them feel safe. I remember being a kid and arguing with my parents, saying, I really want to do this, and then saying no, and me freaking out, yelling, probably cursing, punching a hole in a wall, literally. And you know, I remember in that exact moment, this is like the wackiest thing, but I remember in that exact moment, as idiotic as I was being to my parents at the time, I remember being thankful they had said no. Because I knew that where I was going and what I wanted to do would have led to sin. And it was like this weird thing. Here I am screaming and yelling, and yet in my heart I'm going, why? Because I felt protected. If you're old enough to realize this, as you look back at your childhood about your parents, maybe you think of sometimes when they said no, and you look back, you're like, thank God they said no, because I was protected. If you're old enough and you didn't have that as a child, you're looking back and going, man, I'm going to make sure that when I have kids, I protect them. And you know what? The only way to protect them is with order. And the only way to protect us here together is with order, is with having a way of doing things, of saying, okay, we're going to do things this way and not this way. And you know what? One of the cool things I think uh, you know, about the church is that we are so different. You know what? You're not going to find another church like us on Long Island. And you're not going to find another church like Smithtown on Long Island or Northport or Nisconset, City on a Hill, right? You're not going to find other, because God has each of us kind of doing really cool different things in different ways, all for the same purpose. But every place has its order. And every place is flawed. And every place needs people that are ready to forgive and say, oh man, I'm sorry. And every place needs people who are, are going to look at each other, me at you and you at me, and believe the best about each other, even when we're struggling and making mistakes. See, that's when Long Island will be reached. And so here's a really simple thought that I hope will really help you because we all deal with this. There, I'm sure there are things, every single one of you have thought to yourself, I would do things differently if I was Duck. i do things differently if I was Ryan or Andrew or Joey or Pastor or some of these leaders or maybe you're on a team and you're looking at the leader of your team and you're just thinking, you know, if I were leading, not that you're doing it maliciously, but if maybe some of you are and you should stop. Um, but <laughs> maybe you're just looking at your leader and going, oh, if I was doing it, you know, you know what? What a, what a powerful thought. What, what, what a cool lens maybe to begin to look at those leaders over your life and begin to think this thought, that God's order is God's protection. That this is God's house. Okay? Now, we're not God. Okay? We, we are imperfect, and we're going to get it wrong. I don't know how many times, you know, I, I, I want to keep saying that because we're going to get it wrong sometimes. But ultimately, God's order is God's protection. And your parents' order was your parents' protection. And your parents' lack of order was your parents' lack of protection. And the order you'll want for your kids one day will be to protect. And so I just hope that as we do things our way, which I pray is God's way over and over, 
We pray a lot here, just so you know. That doesn't mean we're perfect, but we pray a lot here as a staff. We pray a lot here as a volunteer team. We study scripture to make sure we're doing things the way that scripture says to do them. And if we realize we're not, we change what we're doing. We really want to be a church that le- that's led by God. I, I, I can't look at any of our leaders or our pastors or elders and say, you know, that's a guy who's really trying to screw up what God wants to do here. I say every single one of them is going after God with a whole heart and they're passionate. But you know what? We're still sometimes going to make the wrong decision. And rather than you get angry and take off and keep this parade on Long Island going, our prayer is that you'd say, you know what? I do things different and maybe in time they'll see it was wrong. But ultimately God's order leads to God's protection. And maybe while we might get it wrong on one, I pray and hope that there's 50 we're getting it right on. And those 50 things are over you, protecting you. And and ultimately, when you walk out, what you're doing is not just leaving the church, not just leaving Doug and and what he was doing wrong. You're, You're leaving what God had over you as a protection for that time in your life. Josh McDowell once told a story about a kid who... Uh, knew his neighbors were away on vacation, got his girlfriend and said, you know, they have a pool. We're going to go and swim in the pool at night. Once it's dark, nobody will see us. And so as they were going over to the house, there was a sign on the fence that said, do not enter. And so they, whatever, they just jumped the fence, got up onto the diving board, the guy did. And again, it's nighttime, just dove off the diving board and right into the pool and, and broke his neck because there was no water. No water in the pool. And you know what? Just think about that sign for a second. Was that sign there to ruin his fun? Was that sign there for him to go, I can't believe everyone's trying to control me? Or was that sign there ultimately to protect? Order leads to protection and God's order leads to God's protection. And so what do I want you to do? I want you to hang in there with us. I want you to forgive me if I've offended you. I want you to forgive the leader or forgive the volunteer that's been on your team that offended you. I want you to say, all right, I'm going to choose to believe the best about these guys right now. I'm going to pray for them like I have to do for you, like I want to do for you. You know, you're sitting here with people around you who are influencers here in this church. But you know what? Several of us here in the room tonight that you might look at and say, oh man, they have a strong friendship and they're partners in this ministry. You know what? There's been times we've had to have hard conversations with each other. And we've had to forgive. And we've had to, you know, sometimes look at each other and say, well, I disagree, but we're going to keep on going because ultimately we love God and we love Jesus and we're going to keep on going on this mission that he has. I don't know what you think of our staff. If you picture us all sitting around, you know, sipping tea and laughing and joking and agreeing on everything, you should come sit in a staff meeting one time, you know? I mean... <laughs> Yeah, like we love each other. We are brothers on this staff and and we're there for each other and we have a blast together. We do, absolutely. But man, we have our moments where we are really disagreeing about certain things. And at the end of the day, we have to look at each other and go, you know what? God still called us to be here together and we're unified and we love each other and we forgive each other. And when when I say something stupid, these guys often get texts from me. I'm sorry I was in such a bad mood at Stead meeting this morning. I, you know, whatever. Brittany drew on the wall. And, and, you know... um, (laughs) But ultimately, man, it's been such a cool thing to see 
that God is leading us. And then that goes on to the volunteer staff and the, the team leaders there. There's been times about this, apologize to you guys. And, and you know what? That, that's, that's what it's, it's about. And we hang in there together. I would say that God sometimes calls people out of a church, but I think it's a lot more rare than we think. I, I mean, I think that if, if we were to start misteaching Scripture or not teaching Scripture, you should bounce. Okay? If there's sin going on here that's not dealt with, you know, not, not sinners because we all struggle and fall, but if there's sin that's ongoing and we know about it and you've brought it to our attention, we've done nothing about it, then take off. I think if God calls you to leave and go somewhere else, but God calls you, right? Not your emotions, not thinking, not, oh, I'd rather be there, I'd, right? But if God calls you. And lastly, I'd say if you can't grow here, Now, let me clarify that. I I didn't say you won't grow here. I said if you can't grow here. And what I mean by that is uh, over the years, I've known many people that have said, I just can't, I can't, I can't grow here. It's it's just not a place where I can, I'm not getting fed. You know what ultimately that means? I'd say 99.9% of the time, and I'm not a great preacher. Okay, so I'm not trying to put myself up and say, oh, if you can't learn from me, then you're lost. You know, I'm just (laughs) simply trying to say, that 99.9% of the time, the issue is an offense in that person's heart. Because I have emails from, say, some of these people who have taken off from five months, four months before they, they left saying, man, I just got so much out of the message. It was just so amazing. I'm the same guy, man. I mean, God's grown me, and thank God. I hope I get better, and I hope I learn more of his word, and I can explain it better over the years. But ultimately, what happened? Did I start, like, did I become that bad of a preacher in those four months that they just couldn't? get anything out of it anymore or was there an offense in the heart because they suddenly stop work i just i can't feel god's presence in the worship anymore well that's funny because like 90 people 150 people told me this week how awesome the worship was man because like that's a heart issue you know what it is that's an offense that's a that's a man why are they doing things that way why how did that person treat me like that that's that's what that is and you know what that'll do that'll just keep dividing us and let me tell you what else that'll do you will do the same thing in the next church. And then you'll do the same thing in the church after that. And by God's grace, I mean, it's only his grace that I haven't done that too. Because if I'm honest, I've had my moments where I'm just like, I'm going to become like a professional lighting engineer for Metallica or something because I, this just, ministry just hurts too much. Okay? And it's just by God's grace that I'll be able to keep going. All right, I forgive you. All right, I love you. All right, I'm going to keep praying for you. All right, I'm going to hang in there. And that's just God's grace, and it's what he's doing. But I hope that we will stick this out. I hope that we will hang in there together. I hope that when you see my shortcomings, instead of saying, I said I'm going somewhere else, you'll say, man, I'm going to pray for that guy. And I hope that I'll do the same for you. And I hope we'll forgive often. Somebody said that to be in a church is to forgive thousands and thousands of times and it's true but i hope that you can trust us and i hope that you can pray for us and i hope that you can say i'm here for as long as i know god has me to be here to influence long island and while maybe you're going to get it wrong sometimes and maybe i'm not going to agree with every idea and every decision ultimately i'm going to say all right god's order is god's protection And if you're not a Christian, maybe tonight you've realized that what you've seen in church isn't what God intended. 
the, the manipulation and the control, or the lack of order, or the people getting offending and leaving to the point where you say, they don't even seem any different from anyone else I know. How can God's love be in their heart? None of that is God's heart. And he loves you. And like I said in the middle of this message, he died for you. And he rose again. And he was seen by those who later gave their lives, saying, we've seen him alive. And so don't let a hurt, and don't let an abuse from another church or, or even a hurt from this church keep you from walking closely with Jesus who loves you and desires for you to be his. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that your order is good and your protection is beautiful and it keeps us safe and it keeps us on track. And so God, just help us, Lord. We, I, I love the people in this room and I know their hearts and, and I'm thankful for their hearts. And I pray that you will mature us and I pray you will unify us and I pray you'll forgive us, God for just not bearing with each other in love and not hanging in there as often as we should and not believing the best about each other like we could. And so I pray you'd help us and that it would be really a supernatural thing, a miracle like any other would be, God. So come and be with us, God. I pray you'd help us as a staff to lead the way you want us to. You'd forgive us for when we fall short. And I pray, God, that we would accomplish what you dreamed for us to accomplish on Long Island as a unified body, together. And I pray for all the other churches on Long Island, that, God, you'd use them in awesome ways. And I pray for people that are here tonight that belong at another church that need to go back and make things right with a pastor or a volunteer or a friend that hurt them, that they're running from right now. And so wherever you are, if you're a Christian tonight, maybe you're offended tonight. I need to talk to somebody. Maybe it's me, and that's fine. But I just say do that. Talk with them. Maybe there's somebody you've already talked with, but there's still an offense in your heart. There's still unforgiveness, and you're looking around going, ah, man, this, this just all seems like control and manipulation, but yet tonight maybe you saw that it's actually God's heart to protect you, not control you. And you just let some things go. And for those of you guys that are like, man, I, you know, I love collision, and I came in without any issue, would you just, would you remember that God's, God's order is God's protection because there will come a day, surely it will come a day when you're offended at something. And would you hang in there? And if you're not a Christian tonight, I want to give you a second to respond to Jesus. Maybe you feel God doing something in your heart tonight. It's not because the music was great. It's not because this is a cool place. If you feel anything toward God tonight, if you feel any love toward him, if you feel like there's any part of you that wants to know him, any part of you that wants forgiveness of your sin, it's simply because he's doing something in your heart. And so if you want to respond to him tonight, you could just say something like this, Jesus, thank you for coming after me, for pursuing me, for working in my heart, for drawing me close to you. Thank you for Jesus dying on the cross, raising from the dead. Now forgive me for my sins, God. Show me what it is to be in a love relationship with you. Amen.